This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Time Travelling Team. I'm Trisha. Each week, Paul and Dan do a fantastic job guiding us through the wide world of movies and TV shows. Meanwhile, my co-host Paddy and I are taking a trip through the time vortex and discussing the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey world of Doctor Who. Starting back from the earliest adventures in 1963, we're discussing the stories, the Doctor, the companions and the villains of this iconic show. You can find us at Time Team on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy as Paul and Dan do their thing, half-measure style. Kia ora, and welcome in to another episode of Half Measures, the weekly podcast where we talk about the movies and TV shows we've been watching and which ones we recommend you check out. As always, I am joined by my co-host and friend, Mr. Daniel Whiting. Dan, we've finally seen the back of 2020. Happy New Year, sir. Happy New Year, my friend. I can't say that I'm sad to say goodbye to 2020. I am hopeful that 2021 has a little bit more joy um, for everyone in the world. It, it doesn't. It doesn't seem. I don't want to tempt fate. It doesn't seem like it's too much to ask for that to happen, right? It feels like it should be should be pretty easy uh, to to top it off. But um, you know, this this last week. Is you know since Christmas, you know we've both we've both been on the road, you know having a bit of a bit of a summer holiday over over New Year's here in New Zealand. Uh, I had a great time. How about you? Look, I had a fantastic time. Um, I think one of the things that uh, COVID has kind of forced us all to do is get out there and explore our own country a little bit more. And you know this year we've done just that. We've got out there. We've got amongst it. We've been to some small towns which we wouldn't normally um, go and visit. And look, it was awesome. A lot of sunshine, a lot of fun, a uh, bit of TV watching, and I can't wait to have a, spend another year with you, Paul. Another year in the half measures prison. <laughs> prison, that's great. I always wonder what the P standing for when you abbreviate HMP. Now I know. Okay, uh, look, I think yeah, because we were on the road, we did. We had a talk, and we thought it would be a good chance for us because we, you know, we haven't watched as much TV being on the road. Maybe we look back at our favorite TV shows of 2020. So we're going to give you our top 10 TV shows today and we'll see, we'll see where we're in sync. We'll see where we're not. And, um, and Dan, I think we agreed we're going to hand out our awards to the, to our winners via social media and see if we can break the internet. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's, um, let's, let's start tagging. Good, good, good. I, I, look, I also think it's a good way to, to kick off the new year because for anyone who's been with us since the start, we'll recall that, Back in the days when we were recording with just an iPhone on a table in a room, our very first episode of Half Measures, so was that not public? I'm pretty sure I saw it on the, if you look on the IMDb page, it's on the trivia. It's, it's, it's in there. Somehow it's got in there. Anyway, our first episode was um, top 10 TV shows of 2019. So we've come full circle. Full circle, 46 episodes later, here we are doing the top TV shows of 2020. Now, something that I quite actually enjoyed about doing the the top 10 of 2019 with you is it actually gave me a few recommended TV shows that weren't even on my radar. Now, 
obviously we've been talking just about every week since then. So I'm not sure whether we'll have as many surprises for each other. But, you know, maybe one of our listeners might pick up a, a gem that they can watch over the over this uh, holiday season. They can indeed. And, and in fact, if any of uh, our listeners have a favourite show that, you know, doesn't make our list, then let us know via social media, Half Measures Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or at halfmeasurespodcast.com, or join the Discord community by clicking the link in your podcast app at the bottom of this week's show notes, because uh, you're right, Dan, there shouldn't be any surprises for you or I. If you come out with a TV show that I haven't heard about in the last year, I'm going to be saying, have you not been listening to me when I've been saying, what have you been watching? I also think, you know, I'd be really keen to hear from some of our listeners. What are your top 10 TV shows? Mm. So, yeah, as Paul said, drop that in our Discord, join on our social media. I would love to hear what you think are, are the top 10 for you. Correct. And um, just to reiterate the rules, because we're all about the rules here on the podcast, uh, you can't have anything that came out in 2019 or any other year. It's 2020 only, which, uh, you know, means we can't have TV shows like Wayne which uh, was going to make my list, but you pointed out to me a couple of weeks back that that's 2019, so I, I appreciate that. Um, I have to say that would have featured in my top 10, but uh, rules of rules, we don't want a media backlash. And look, since I haven't mentioned it this year, because Star Trek Lower Decks hasn't been released in Australasia, I haven't watched it, so who knows? It might have made my list, but I haven't been able to see it. Thanks, CBS. I've said it <laughs> I'm so glad that you're not salty about that, and I'm glad that you're starting 2021 with a turning a fresh page. Correct. So, Dan, I'll ask you to uh, kick us off. What comes in at number 10 for your top 10 TV shows of 2020? Well, as per always, Paul, it's, it's really actually hard to narrow it down to 10. And one thing that we've always talked about is, though there's kind of a loose order to this, on any given day, any given mood, you might kind of reshuffle some of these around. So though we're doing it sort of as a, a 10 to 1 countdown, um, I think it's not necessarily highly ranked, though it is for the sake of the for the sake of the podcast. So I'm going to come in uh, with number 10 with uh, a new TV show for 2020, um, one that I mentioned a few episodes ago on the Half Measures podcast, and it's one on Apple TV called Ted Lasso. Now, this is the quirky TV show basically about an American coach who takes over this, this football team. And when I first started watching it, I wasn't really sure um, it was hitting all the right notes for me. But by the time I got to the end, it was actually just the actual TV show I needed. It was it was just the the cup of tea I needed. It was the it was uplifting. It had a good plot. It had a few laugh out loud moments. And as far as new content on Apple TV goes, this was actually really good. And so you, I thought to myself, you know what, you my friend, are going to the number ten on Daniel Wyden's top ten TV of twenty twenty. A few few weeks ago just prior to christmas i remember you making a remark about you know me being an android fanboy and here you are the apple fanboy with the tv shows that you know i can't see yet so i, I can't respond to this in terms of having watched it because i haven't seen it but as i said to you at the time when you mentioned it it definitely is going to appeal to me um a, a tv sitcom based on an actual you know British football, proper, proper football. Sorry to Edinburgh American listeners. Uh, you know, I it's just got everything in it for me. So um, as soon as that Google Chromecast 
thing becomes a reality that you told me about a couple of weeks back. I'm going to be in on this. Awesome. Look, look, and look, Jason Sudeikis is he? Did, he plays such a a great character, and we talked about it in the earlier episode of Half Measures. He's just his his charm and his humor is top tier. And I think if you are looking for a show which you know, to be honest, is feel good, is going to you know give you a bit of a laugh, is a little bit different. I think you should definitely give this one a try. Obviously, you're going to have to have access to Apple TV to do that. But you know what? 2021, we're bringing everyone together, and that's coming to Google Chromecast. So there'll be no excuses at the end of this year, Paul. Beautiful. Okay, we're on the board. Number 10 for me, Dan, is a show that you and I have both watched. That is season six of Fear the Walking Dead. So... um We've talked about The Walking Dead a lot uh, last year as we watched that season unfold. Uh, So for me, I'm sure most people will will know what The Walking Dead universe is, but this is, you know, post-apocalyptic. Zombies are everywhere. Um, There's been three TV shows around The Walking Dead. This is the second, and this is following a a group of characters who have have made their way across a large portion of the United States. For me, this, this series where it's at now it's at peak it's at peak it probably it probably rivals perhaps some of the best of the first six seasons of the walking dead that's how that's how good it is this this show this season is all about a set of characters that i care about with some great actors some really well through fought through stories and yeah i think that jumping quality from from season four to season five and now this latest jump from five to six they've just gone into a new gear I think this is a really great call, Paul, and I am already a little bit angry at myself for not even really thinking about Fear the Walking Dead. Like, I'm so used to talking about Walking Dead with you and that whole universe. I didn't even even think to include this show in my list, but this is a great shout. And, you know, we've long talked about Fear the Walking Dead being being some of the, the top-tier Walking Dead, like you just said. And I think if you're looking to get into the Walking Dead universe, that this could be the one to get into. Mm. And you could almost jump straight into this latest season in some respects. We had that question a couple of months back from someone saying, oh, where should I start? I started and I didn't like it. And I think we sort of said maybe season four was the right place. But this latest season, season six, it started off with that great episode, that sort of solo episode about Morgan um, and sort of you know his character. And it just went on and on from there. It, Morgan's become a legend. We've got Dwight, who is really evolving into a great character. Other characters like Strand and Elle and June and Alicia, Daniel, although we didn't see much of Daniel, but what we did was great. Um, Luciana and, of course, John. Um, You know, I'm invested in every episode. There doesn't seem to be any filler. There's no filler characters. It used to feel a bit like the B team, you know, when sort of like, you know, the – the main season was The Walking Dead, and then in the off season, the the, the fear of The Walking Dead would come out. But now it's the A Team, and when I think about 2021 Walking Dead, this is the series that I get most excited about because I feel like they've got everything in the right right place at the moment. All the production values, the characters are well thought through, and it's in a, it's in a high spot, which is what I think this franchise needs at the moment. It's a great call. A great call. We've come in with our number tens, and we're 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 not even in sync yet. That's that's incredible, Paul. I love it. Incredible. Nine down. All right, number nine for me is I'm going to go with uh, a Netflix original. I'm going to go with Sex Education. So this is uh, 
again, another TV show I've talked about quite a bit on the podcast. So the basic uh, plot of this is a, a teenage boy with a sex therapist mother teams up with a high school classmate uh, to set up an underground sex therapy clinic at school. This TV show is so charming. It's so funny. It's a lot of fun. It stars Gillian Anderson in a way that I've never really seen Gillian Anderson before. And it's I just really enjoyed every episode of this show, and I cannot wait for season three. It's a show where the characters are, are quirky and interesting. They've got some pretty crazy stories going on in their lives. I couldn't even imagine what it's like to be a, a young person in, um, in 2020. And I think this uh, this TV show does a really great job at bringing it to life and putting on the table like quite a few taboo topics and it's just just a lot of fun uh samara and i really really enjoyed this one and so that makes my number nine spot awesome that one got added to my list a while ago when you talked about it and i have to admit we haven't got around to watching it yet but uh i think uh the, the the plot works so well with the fact that it's done with that comedy element that's what that's what makes it sound really really appealing and um yeah uh, a really interesting looking cl- uh, cast with yeah Gillian Anderson um, who I'm going to talk about later in this uh, podcast actually on another show uh, spoiler alert um, she's uh, she, she's a great actress and so yeah be interesting to see what she does in this one awesome what about number nine for you Paul well number nine for me I am taking us straight into the world of Star Wars and I'm going with Clone Wars season seven. So, uh, and, and Dan do, do shout out as both of us should at any point, if, if any of the shows that we mentioned appear on your list as well. Uh, so this is animation for anyone who's unaware, who hasn't been listening to the uh, podcast previously, um, set, uh, at this point, this, this series of Clone Wars, this season of Clone Wars actually wraps itself around the fabric of, Revenge of the Sith, so it's set right right into that sort of episode three within the Star Wars uh, Skywalker saga, if you like. It includes scenes from that movie, um, but in an animated fashion, and it adds in more to those scenes where where they cut away from in the movie. So this was one of the biggest TV surprises of 2020 for me because I really didn't see this coming. I, th- I think at this point it brought the Ahsoka character back to our screens at a point... Uh, at, at least at this time where we didn't necessarily expect to see her character again, you know, for all we knew back at, back in those days. So it was a real welcome surprise. It was um, a really good way to end this series. So this was the the seventh and final season of the show. The, the show had been ended uh, quite abruptly and not, not really in a satisfying way uh, some years earlier. And so they sort of, they listened to their fans, which is, which is something I love. And they said, here's one more season. Let's do it right. And they, Boy, did they do it right. Another great shout, Paul. And I think those, you know, like we've talked about, those final four episodes of The Clone Wars Season 7 are some of the most uh, rewarding, fulfilling, enjoyable Star Wars, kind of like uh, – I want to say side character, but, you know, like uh, our least mainstream characters. Um, and, and I think they're, they're, they're in the process of becoming less mainstream now. Uh, but it was just so, so good. And, 
you know, we said it back when we reviewed these episodes that if you don't watch any other Clone Wars, watch those final four episodes because they're just so good and they really round out Revenge of the Sith to make it even better. And like we keep saying, it's making the whole Star Wars sort of universe a fine wine that keeps aging better and better. 100%. You've uh, taken the words right out of my mouth. Uh, I can't agree with you more. Some some great scenes, some some truly great monologues I recall from Darth Maul. Uh, I loved seeing him talking as 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 crimson dawn and talking to dryden voss and tying together the solo part of the universe it introduced us to the bad patch of course this season which we now will see in their own series and of course as you've just sort of touched on those final four episodes were just sensational and it, and it gave us that amazing ending with vader which i thought was really appropriate um the way that scene worked with the the ahsoka dropping the lightsaber um looks up at the sky and then as it fades we see the imperial shuttle and and vader comes in and just there's just so much emotion conveyed i always remember the speed at which we see vader walking because he's normally got such a person what's the word purposeful walk and he he was quite somber and it was just a great way to end that, that show and yeah like you said if you only watch Four episodes of this show, just let them watch the last four because it, it does so much and will add so much value to anyone who's either a fan of the prequel trilogy or is kind of on the fence thinking, was it that good? It, it might send you over the edge. Great choice, Paul. Great choice. I already feel a bit jealous of your list. I feel like you, you, you've you gone classic and, and I appreciate that. I always feel like, you know, we both have our lists. We both make an effort. But at the end of the day, my list generally comes out on top. But that's okay. You're getting better, Dan. You're getting better. Wow. Wow. This is uh, Paul's final episode of Half Measures. Uh, we're going to let him go after this. He's just he's just not a team player. So um, on to number eight for me is I'm going to go with another new TV show. Uh, this one is called Gangs of London. So you may recall me talking about this a few episodes ago. So this tells the story of London being torn apart by turbulent power struggles of its international gangs and the sudden power vacuum that's created when one of the head of London's most powerful crime family is assassinated. Now, this TV show, as you may recall, I said, is a little bit of a slow burn. It takes a couple of episodes to really get into it. But once you get in, it was so, so good. And I think it was around episode three or four that it really hooked me. But I thought this was this was top-tier television for me. I, I, I've always said I've really enjoyed that sort of uh, – BBC style sort of storytelling. This is obviously a, an AM, AMC series uh, done with Sky. And, but it's just so good. There's so many great actors. There's so many great stories to be told here. There's so many plot twists. I can't wait for season two. And uh, this is one of those shows, if, if you're looking for something dark and gritty and action packed with some good stories, this is probably one that you need to bump up on your watch list gangs of london so in new zealand you can find that on the neon platform see this is karma coming back to get me because uh now i'm getting a little bit jealous of yours because not because i uh also rate the show but because i completely forgot to watch the show i remember you talking about it and i just looked and it hasn't got the little plus sign on my list which means i didn't add it to my list and this kind of is like a 
you know, when you sort of you think, oh, I've forgotten something and I can't quite think of it as it will come to me, it will come to me. I feel like this has been in the back of my mind for months. And this is the show that you mentioned that I never went, got, went away and watched because like you, the, the BBC type British drama, London gangster, I mean, everything about this show sounds like it, it really appeals to me. I have read a couple of reviews about this in addition to what you talked about it and everyone sort of says great things about it. So, uh, look. I haven't seen it, but good shout, and thanks for reminding me. I have now added it to my list. Well, Paul, what is your number eight? Number eight for me is season two of Ricky Gervais's Afterlife. I can tell by your face down whining that this is another one which has escaped your list. (laughs) Um, And look, to be honest, unless it's a comedy list, that you're sort of drawing up top 10 comedies, whatever I, when I'm doing my top 10 TV shows each year, and I've been doing this for some time because, you know, I'm a bit of a geek. I don't normally allow myself to have too many comedies because I just feel like otherwise the whole thing could be overrun because I just love comedies. But I feel this one is real different. I feel as we've talked about before, the, the ability that Gervais has to, to make us laugh in one moment and then make us just completely cringe and then feel on the verge of tears all within the space of a couple of minutes. That is genius. Um, and that's not something everyone can do. There's, you know, there's, there's so much emotion in the show. This is a, this is a show, sorry, I should be explained. This is a show about a, a guy called Tony whose wife dies unexpectedly. And, you know, his nice guy persona is now altered into this impulsive, you know, sort of devil may care attitude, um, taking his, his, his old world by storm. He doesn't care about anything. He basically is waiting to die and he's quite depressed. Well, he's, he's very depressed. And in fact, some of the greatest scenes in this season are where he's talking to his therapist who, you know, I don't know how much you remember them, but just some of those scenes were just extraordinary, extraordinarily funny and extraordinarily touching. But yeah, a real winner for me, this show. This is another great call. And why the hell did I not remember this TV show as this did? This is such a great tv show and i think you've really nailed it with that it's you know it's you can laugh you can cringe you can cry it's such a such a powerful story and i you know we we talked about when this first came out that will we actually get a a season three because you know so often ricky gervais doesn't only sort of does the two seasons and i think it's so great that we're going to get a third season and i think they've really set it up nicely for more this this is great I, i don't know how i forgot about this one yeah, I, this one, I seem to recall when we did the podcast, I remember the, I don't know if it was the episode title or, or something in the text was around, is this the greatest TV show of 2020? And so it always stuck with me thinking, oh, well, I have to remember that. And look, there were just so many great moments. Well, when you think, do you remember the scene with the old lady at the retirement home? And then and then the postman asking if he can use the bathroom. And, you know, naturally, Ricky Gervais thinks he's coming in to use the toilet, but actually he goes upstairs and has a bath. I mean, there's just so many just amazing, amazing moments. Um, I actually also wanted just to include briefly, because we won't be doing a mailbag this week, obviously, but I wanted to include some comments that we actually received early in the year from Ash in Palmerston North here in New Zealand, who responded to our review back in May, I think it was. He actually said this, I have to agree with you both. It's an incredible show. Every episode is being is like being hit by an emotional cruise missile. The way Gervais can do a complete 180 at the emotional level is like a double hit. Dan's comment about the on-screen chemistry of the characters is spot on. It's a magical weave of characters. 
Tony watching the videos of Lisa is great. I think it's a great way for her to be included in each episode as a character and not just a memory. And I thought that was a nice little um, reflection on the show because, um, yeah, this is uh, this this is the this is the one time, as you say, where Gervais is going to give us a third season. He hasn't done that with just about anything he's done. Give or take the Office one-off special and the extras one-off special. But yeah. Also, at the start of this, uh, Paul, I forgot about your little rule about not too many comedy shows on your top ten list. That's my rule. And- I know that it's your rule, but I love, I love how it, it comes out. Like you have to blow the dust off that bad boy and you're like, don't forget my rules. <laughs> rules and regulations, right? Indeed. Indeed. Okay. Number seven. I, I feel like we're racing through. So number seven for me is another Netflix original. I'm going to go with Criminal UK. So this was, this was season two in particular of Criminal UK. So Criminal, for those who haven't seen it, it's a cat and mouse drama which focuses on the intense mental conflict between detectives and suspects. And the stories always take place within the confines of a police interview suite. And, you know, it's we always talk about it sort of being quite claustrophobic. There's, there's often only... I know half a dozen different sort of angles that um, different shots are, are filmed from. And season two, even though it was only four episodes, I think is, is four fantastic episodes. And again, we talk about, you know, a show that, you know, what's a show you could watch with your parents? Criminal is one of those shows. I think they would absolutely eat it up. And it's just so well told. And it's it's so amazing that I think you can get, you know, four episodes, four hours of television that are so gripping and the whole thing's either filmed within the interview room or behind the glass. It's just incredible. And I think they've really upped the ante on some of the stories. They've done such a fantastic job at making you empathize often with the person who's been interviewed and then completely flipping the script and and making you actually realize, whoa, 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 no, this, this person's actually guilty. Or even worse, sometimes they leave you actually wondering and, you, and you're actually not too sure. And I, I, it's just it's storytelling at its best. And I know that when we talked about it on the show, we actually had a whole bunch of feedback from the producers and directors and some of the, the cast of this. And I, I think full credit to them because they've done an epic job and I, I hope we see more of the show. Brilliant. We're in sync, Dan. This one is also on my list, although it is in a different place on my list. So... So good to see where we've got one in there together. Honestly, you're you're so right with everything you've said. It is really top draw, isn't it? This this show. I think the final episode out of those four, I think for me, was possibly the best. I sort of like the way, if you remember, they changed direction uh, from one case to another. That was that was an interesting dynamic as well. Um, there were so many great standout performances in in that season. Kit Harrington in episode two was 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 fantastic in that role. Uh, that arrogant, smooth-talking real estate agent. The um, the I can't remember her name, but the one who played. I remember the character's name was Danielle, and I remember because she just really annoyed me. And I just remember thinking, what a great job that actress had done because the character really annoyed me. That's a really great sign of great great acting. Um, like you said, just that Sharon Hogan. Correct, that's the one. Thank you. Um, everyone, every scene taking place in the room or behind the glass, or just out in the corridor by the vending machine. Um, there's a vending machine at my work that I, whenever I, if I do go to it, I always think of uh, Criminal UK. Funny enough, because you know 
it's it's the bending machine, right? It's where those scenes happen. Really great season. I think this season was better than than season one. I think, give or take that David Tennant episode in season one, I thought all of these in this UK season two were were, were much much stronger. Um, your your comment around the four episodes reminds me of the the complaint I made about it, saying you know it's a shame we couldn't get more, but you know it does keep it special when you have just those four those four episodes and so um yeah and look this show also represents for me and i think possibly for you as well dan a real podcasting highlight when you know we had the the show's creator writer director jim field smith you know listen to the pod message us uh, to say that he thought our review was a thoughtful discussion well jim now you've got a half measures top 10 award to add to your collection well done that's us a thoughtful discussion that's what we like to bring to the internet all right paul back to you okay so let me scroll back up to my list number seven okay so number seven for me this year is season four of the crown uh, which came out late last year and i've uh i've just finished and it's superb and i've said it before i'm not i'm not a royalist I don't really have a strong feeling either way in the whole monarchy discussion, to be honest, but this show is top tier for me. And this season in many ways was perhaps the most compelling for me as so much of it happened in the eighties with people that I grew up seeing and hearing about in, in real time, you know, on the news and, uh, Gillian Anderson, this is the, this is where I wanted to mention her. Her performance as Margaret Thatcher is absolutely sensational without doubt. It is the most, uh, the word I want complete I would say the most complete Thatcher performance of any actress I've ever seen her take on that role and um kudos to her because that's why I'm keen to to see uh you know to, to give that sex education a go because other than like X-Files Hannibal and The Fall I just feel like I haven't seen her in in that much I know she's been in a bunch of stuff so this is a real headline role she nailed it and then I'd also mention Emma Corrin who plays the part of Diana her likeness in terms of the way she moves her head and her eyes, her fashion sense, her hair so much is so authentic. And, you know, I I don't want to overplay the impressionism that's going on here, but I just feel like because this is, you know, real, a true story, it's based on real events. So much of that is important when you're watching a show like this. And, but the story that she tells the life that Diana lived in that marriage, in that family, it's extraordinary. The royal family do not come off well in this season at all. I wouldn't say it leads to people maybe hating them, but it certainly maybe just you know gives it a little bit of a, a closer look. And it's you know this is where this show is quite hard to watch because it's just so sad. Thinking about you know inevitably what is to come with you know with Diana, unfortunately, but uh, it, it's amazing. And the last person I have to mention is just Olivia Colman as the Queen. She is superb. As the Queen, I again, I don't think I've seen anyone else do a job better than this. I, I really thought Claire Foy and Matt Smith were good as as the Queen and Prince Philip before, but she's she's sensational. It's great that this has made it into your your top ten, Paul, because I remember you talking about it at the time, being unsure about the the change of cast again, mm-hmm. and and you know whether it was still going to be enjoyable. But it's it's obviously good to hear that it's still um, hitting its stride and doing the right things for you. Yeah, and we've got another change of cast coming up uh, for the for the later seasons, which will will be even more modern. Which I think 
I think will capture so much of a, a wider audience. So again, who will be aware of the, the events that have uh, transpired, but um, just a, a quick mention to my favorite episode in this season four it was about this guy. And this is again, true story about a guy who's on, who's on the benefit. He's unemployed. He's having a real hard time. And he, he goes in to collect his benefit money every couple of weeks. He doesn't like how he's been treated there. So the lady there's at the door sort of says, Oh, well, you, if you've got a problem, go see your MP. And so he does. He goes and sees the MP, and the MP is really, you know, played by this really uncaring, unempathetic guy. And he says, well, if you've got a problem, maybe talk to the Queen. And that is literally what he does. And he just goes and gets on a double-decker bus and, and climbs over the fence. And just watching how in the early 80s the security was so lax, and then watching him make his way through the palace just hiding behind, hiding behind statues and things whenever anyone does come along, and he makes his way all the way to the queen's bedroom. This is a true story. He got into, he got and sat down on on the bed with the queen and, and had a chat with her for a while. It was an extraordinary episode. I honestly, like I say, it's it's not about whether you're a royalist or not. I just feel like this show is is quite a compelling watch. You, you've done. I've been talking about it for a while that I need to put this on my watch list, and I think I'm going to have to get into it. I, I think I'm intrigued enough. I'm interested enough. I'm I'm kind of interested in a in a whirlwind tour through through history around this sort of topic. So yeah, I think I'm going to give this a go. It's my only show this year that is of uh, you know it sort of represents a true story. Whereas last year I had a couple. In fact, my number one last year was Chernobyl. So um, this is the only thing that's in my list this year, which is based on real events. I made it into the list, Paul. I'm adding it as we speak, so that when I'm um, next looking for a show to binge, this will be uh, on the list. Good call. What is your number six ten? All right, number six for me is another new TV show, and it's one I've talked about before, Lovecraft Country. So uh, in New Zealand here, it's on Neon, and so basically the, the, the premise of this show is it's a series about a, a young black man who travels across segregated 1950s United States in search of his missing father, learning of dark secrets plaguing the town on which famous horror writer H.P. Lovecraft supposedly based the location of many of his pictorial tales. So this was a real surprise hit for me. And it, you know, we talk a lot on the pod about how 2020 has been a bit of a a flaming garbage truck and some, some terrible things have happened in, in 2020. And I think this kind of brings, like, it touches on some of those, particularly around racism, particularly around uh, how terrible... Uh, people have been treated throughout history, and I think what this does is it 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 tells a story about issues that are still facing society, but it adds uh, a science fiction twist to all of them. And it's you know it's quite a, a complex and well crafted story, and I think they've done something really awesome with it. I'm intrigued to see what they do uh, with season two, and you know. I think, unlike when Samara King says to me, a discovery of witches is a smart TV show, this this truly is a smart TV show. Like there are so many twists and turns in here that it, like it's it, it's top quality. So if you haven't watched any Lovecraft Country and this genre has any interest for you, I highly recommend getting around it. It's it's a lot of fun, and added to that, it's got a killer soundtrack, and it does a really great job of of mixing some some modern music with some some nineteen fifties music to really sort of up the swag level, shall we say? 
I was going to ask you, as we got closer to number one, if if the Discovery Witches show was going to was going to make your list, but uh, you've, you've you've nicked that little joke from me, so uh, nicely done. Uh, I remember you talking about the show. I remember uh, the the reaction we got um, in our Discord community as well. A lot of a lot of love for the show there. And in fact, I was just checking there whilst you were talking. The um, this was like our second highest. Uh, Instagram post review of the year as well. And we did like 200 posts. So there was a lot of love for this online as well. Um, it is on my list. Uh, the lead actress, um, uh, Jenny Smollett, uh, she was she was great. I've only, uh, sorry, she was great in Birds of Prey, is what I mean to say. And I really enjoyed her in that as Black Canary. And so um, that sort of made me think, oh, yeah, there's another reason to to give this one a go. So, um, so yeah, it's it has been added to my list. Um didn't get a chance to watch it over Christmas and New Year's, but we'll see how we go in the uh, in in the, in the rest of the year. Very good. What have you got on your list? Okay, so Paul Canal is now going to return to type a little bit. So here we go. Bear with season one of Star Trek Picard. So of any TV series that I have ever seen this this season this series this is the first season is the most unlikely sequel I ever expected uh, to see in fact that's a really good idea for a podcast Dan sequels we never expected um, you know I guess for me this was like an experiment that carried a certain amount of risk of failure too because you know Patrick Stewart at the age of 80 returning to play the role of John Luke Picard 26 years after the next generation it was you know it's never an absolute certainty that it might work and so I was really excited about it but at the same time I was like oh please don't let this not you know don't, don't let him go out on a bad note but to revisit this this character who's now retired living at a family winery in France with his pit bull dog and basically uh, an overwhelming sense of guilt and loss for the death of Mr. Data spoiler alert uh, that happened at the uh, the end of the last next generation next generation movie some i don't know 18 20 years earlier but this show has just been an absolute success the ratings across the board have been high it's that's what's here in my top 10 it's it's really a show that i i'd never expected and i've just been so delighted with just how how great it was i cannot wait for season two of this one Look, I think, you know, as you know, Paul, I've been on a bit of a, a Star Trek journey uh, this year and people are just nonstop asking me, have I watched Picard? You know, Andy King from New Plymouth is always asking me, have I watched Picard? And I'm going to, once I've, once I've caught up with Discovery, I think I'm going to have to try and work out a way to jump into it because I'm just hearing nothing but but rave reviews from yourself and uh, half Mrs. fans alike. Yeah. No, definitely. Andy King is is right on the money there because this, I mean, this Picard, this Picard that we meet here in this show, he's very different to what we met in '87. You know, as you, you know, he's a little older. Um, but what I will say is that he has this this speech in this episode, in the, this in the yeah in the pilot episode that I think is his greatest scene in Star Trek of all time. So that was like straight out the gate, episode one. I was like, wow. This, and uh, you know, on reflection now, looking back, it's, it was you know quite a few months back. It was just fantastic. And so, yeah, like you said, when you went on this journey into watching Star Trek and we talked, oh, you know, where should you start and whatever. Um, 
this is a show where I believe your appreciation for it going in will be immeasurably higher if you've watched Next Generation, or at least a good amount of it first, and definitely the final Next Generation movie where, as I alluded to before, Mr. Dodo gets killed off um, to save Picard. Um, but, yeah, if I feel like if this was a show about a random captain who was going on one more adventure, I'd still watch it, but I don't think it would be successful. It's it, this, The strength of this show is all about Picard himself. And, you know, I'll talk spoilers because, you know, this show's been out a while, um, but, you know, there are some characters that show up from the next generation. You know, we're talking Riker and, uh, and Troy and, and flashbacks of Data that just make for some truly great fanboy moments, I guess. And, yeah, I just thought we'd said goodbye to this character and now I just can't wait for season two. This is this is you know one of these great things about being a a fan of some of these genres like you know we're getting TV shows that we could have never imagined in our life and it's so great that they're able to bring them back. I think the the real shock moment for me and it, it makes sense, but I just I hadn't really thought about it is uh, Jean Luc Picard being eighty years old like that's that's crazy. Well, yeah, Jean Luc Picard himself is older than that in the in the series, but Patrick Stewart being eighty that's 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 the thing, right? I mean he's he still throws himself around a little bit in the show but um what what really makes picard picard is of course that wonderful voice and with all due respect to patrick stewart frankly when he was playing patrick stewart sorry when he was playing picard in the 80s he was he was younger than we are now and i felt like he's always looked about 60 that's extraordinary right it feels like yeah it's crazy yeah that's crazy Crikey. All right. Number five. We're we're halfway we're at the halfway point. What do you got? So so number five for me is the Amazon um original, The Boys. So The Boys is the um superhero uh tv show basically a, a group of vigilantes set out to take down a, a group of corrupt superheroes who abuse their superpowers and this is based on a, a graphic novel um we're on to our, our second season stars a whole bunch of great actors carl urban jack quaid anthony Starr, Aaron moriarty um this so this is such a, a fun TV show, and I really just love how aware of itself it is. You know, I've talked about it a lot in the sense that it's so great seeing the the other side of what a, a superhero means. And you know, when we have these big blockbusters like you know the Marvels, the Iron Mans, the Batmans, the Wonder Womans, and you know the example we always use is when somebody gets thrown through a, an office window. People are going to get hurt, you know. There's casualties of that things. There's marketing campaigns around these heroes. There's a there's a whole machine of how these things happen, and I just think this is such a a fresh take on a genre which has really been heavily played out over the last oh, 15, 20 years to kind of look at it in a whole different way. Um, it, it kind of deviates a little bit from the the graphic novel, but I think and it, it's holding its own, which I think is really good. And I think season two has really set us up for an even more exciting season three. So I know that this is this is one that you started, Paul, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we started season one and uh, same the same as we did with The Watchmen. And we, we, we said, oh, we'll go back to it. And we've done The Watchmen. We haven't done The Boys yet, but um, it's still there. The appeal largely for me is still around Carl Urban, uh, just a, a, a great actor um, and 
uh, I've seen some of the delivery of some of his lines and it's, it's delicious to be honest. Um, I always appreciate Dan, your commitment to, uh, with not just this, but also other shows like the walking dead and, uh, and other things where there's graphic novel times, you've always got that background. You're kind of the, the, the Wikipedia of these things. You sort of have that ability to see, you know, how things vary from, from format to format. So, uh, Look, 8.7 out of 10 from a quarter of a million people voting. Sounds pretty good. It's got to be watched. I've got to get it on this year. I I would be so envious to have, you know, not discovered the boys and just all of a sudden be able to binge two seasons of it. Mm. And I think it's a show where if you haven't seen this one, you really should avoid watching any trailers or anything like that because, you know, that they're quite famous for kind of ruining some of the, the big punchline and humorous and outrageous moments. So if this, again, is – look, this is dark, let's be honest. Like this is in that sort of R16, R18 genre of uh, television shows and they're, they're dealing with some pretty – outrageous things as um superheroes as celebrities as vigilantes um but again it made my list last year for season one it's made my list again for season two it's a recommended watch yeah i think i think if something makes your your list two years in a row it's almost a contract obligation for this podcast that i watch it i think so uh so just like i've sold you on the crown you've sold me on the boys i will make it happen this year well, I think what would be great, Paul, is if you could catch up before season three comes out so that when when they start releasing, you know, a couple of episodes and then they, they start doing the, the drip feed episodes, we could actually talk about it like we do with some of our other shows. It could be a, a good one for our, our listeners. That's a really good idea. So the first episode of season three is called Payback. It doesn't have a date associated yet, so I'll um, I'll see if I can get into it and, and get it done. There's only 17 episodes there, so it shouldn't take too long, right? Appreciate it. Number five for me, Dan. I'm annoyed that this is at number five, just looking at my list, but I can't move it any higher up because it's just that good for me, was the final season, season eight of Homeland. So, look, this is another show that we have talked about on this podcast a lot. Um, So, you know, I'll, I'll be brief. But in a nutshell, this series finale was the greatest tv finale of all time and so this this show sorry just to again i'm just so unprofessional here this is you know about uh the 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 homeland is an eight season u.s show focusing in on the cia agents and uh in this season saul berenson who's the national security advisor for the newly inaugurated president is assigned to negotiate peace with the taliban in afghanistan And Carrie Matheson, our main protagonist, is still struggling to recover from her brutal treatment as a prisoner in Russia, season seven. Uh, But Saul wants to take her to Afghanistan, feeling that her knowledge and experience there will be essential. And just reading it like that sounds pretty dry. And anyone who's listening to this is like, oh, yeah, you've really sold it to me. Thanks a lot. But this is this is just one of the greatest TV shows of all time um as i said back in may i think it was when we when we watched this the season i know you watched the whole eight seasons um i said then it was the greatest tv finale of all time subsequent to that i have rewatched breaking bad which i've always thought was the greatest ending but i'm sticking to my guns homeland really went out on a big band down 
look, um, 2020 is going to be a whole, always hold a special spot for me with watching all eight seasons of Homeland. And again, you know, as much as I'm giving Samara um, grief about his discovery of witches, it's because of her that we started watching Homeland from the beginning. And this is actually on my list um, as well, um, a little bit further up, but such a, a fantastic TV show. I think Claire Danes, um, Mandy Patterson, just Rupert Friend. There's so many great actors in this um, show. You couldn't ask for a better finale for eight seasons. And it's always, you know, for me, it's always high risk when they're wrapping up a show that you truly love. And can they do it justice? Or is it going to be the the Dexter ending or the Sopranos ending that, no, that nobody really wanted and and not getting that kind of final conclusion. And I think what they've done with Homeland is they've wrapped it up in a, a nice way where you can you, – you get the closure but you also get enough openness that you can kind of like, you know, plot your own adventure through this. And, you know, combined with that, I think Claire Danes, I think portrayal of someone with bipolar and dealing with, mental health and being a, a top tier um, security uh, specialist uh, just such an incredible tale and again if this is a show that you've never watched you're in for a treat it's it's completely binge worthy it is indeed and yeah good call Claire Danes for me is probably probably the, the over the years, certainly not specifically this season, but just over the years, it's just the, probably the greatest actress on television for me. Uh, if you like your TV tense, this is the one for you. Carrie Matheson, Saul Berenson, Max, all of the, all of these guys, their, their stories intertwined amazingly for this final series and literally right up to the credits, you know, you're sort of not sure if there's another twist coming. I feel like this season, there was some story plots uh, that acknowledge the types of things that have been happening in 2020, uh, in 2019 as well, under the watch of President Trump. And I feel like they didn't, they really didn't hold back any punches at times. And I, uh, I really appreciated that. Um, but uh, yeah, a real strong season. I'm not, I'm really pleased it's on your list and I'm not surprised it's, it's further up. I just said before, I'm annoyed that it's only at number five on my list, but that's the way it goes. Let's see. What have you got for number four? This is going to be short, Paul, because my number four is Homeland season eight. So, pretty came in came in pretty close, but this really was for me one of those shows I could have moved it easily to sort of that um, two or three spot on on any other given moment. Just just a, there's there's nothing more to say apart from what you've already said. Top tier television, and so for me, Homeland season eight is my number four. So I'm going to kick the ball right on back to you. What's your number three? Sorry, now what's your number four? My number four? I'm skipping. Yeah, God, don't, don't terrify me like that. I've got four shows I need to fit into these last four spots. So number four for me is season six of Bosch. I really enjoy Bosch, eh? Season six was so solid. I I can't believe, actually, that the current season that they're filming, number seven, will be the last. It's It's, it's just such a straightforward show with some really well-written stories and this season those characters uh, the, the, this had a level of complexity that meant you know i was never able to guess what was going to happen next and um i've become almost obsessed with this my obsession with bosch has, has reached new limits this year dan you may recall me telling you 
off air a few months back that our dishwasher broke. So when I went into the store to buy a new one, the only input I had to say was it has to be a Bosch. You know, and luckily for me, the guy in the store never asked me why. But um, I just, I, I just, I just love it. And season six is one I definitely. Even if you haven't watched the previous seasons, I reckon you could jump straight into season six. High ratings again this year with high eights and nines across the board. Just intricate plots, complicated but in a good way. There's lots of moving parts that come together well. I, I loved it. One of our, our highest rated episodes over, over our last 46 episodes was one titled You Can't Play Animal Crossing While Watching Bosch. Mm. And, you know, it's Bosch is a slow burn, but details are critical in that show. And so it's not it's not a show where you can be on your phone or browsing your laptop or playing Animal Crossing. It, it, it's a show that requires your attention. And to be honest, it deserves your attention because – it is so well written, uh, such a great cast, and look, this is again, Paul. This is a great shout. And for if you're looking for something a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit of a yeah, a, a different type of TV show, then I, you you couldn't go wrong with Bosch. And and the fact that there's already six seasons out there, that's that's just awesome. And I think this the show, particularly probably outside of America probably doesn't get as much love as it deserves correct no i think you're absolutely right um i see a lot of um online petitioning for want of a better word to save bosch and have more seasons and it does get a lot of in the u.s um what i like about it particularly for a cop drama as well besides the the cast which are, are great it doesn't and i've said this before it doesn't rely on the action too much it's slow, it's deliberate. You see things happen that seem arbitrary, but then later on those details become absolutely pivotal to the to the stories you you kind of expect in police work. And and then because it's so sparing with those action scenes, when there is an action scene, it's really adrenaline fuel because and you really appreciate that change of pace. So um look, I'm looking forward to see what they do with the final season and um and the other thing I was gonna mentioned to you i made a note of here this is the podcast that we keep threatening to do but we've not done the top 10 tv show, uh tv theme songs bosch i think bosch has the best theme music and opening credits of any current tv show for my money so that's an extra award for you there bosch great choice paul great choice indeed all right so on to my number three so this is a show that, Paul, I've been telling you to watch for a long time. I feel like you still haven't watched it. I'm not happy about it. I want you to fix this in 2021 because I think you're going to enjoy it and you're going to be mad at yourself for having not watched it. I'm talking the Netflix original Ozark. So Ozark Season 3 came out in um, 2020. So basically the, the premise of this show is a, a financial advisor drags his family from Chicago uh, to the Missouri um, Ozarks where he must launder money to appease a drug boss. And it stars uh, Jason Bateman. This show, you know, if you like Breaking Bad, this show should be right up your alley. It's, you know, it's it's got... Um, cartels, it's got money laundering, it's got complex plots, it's got lots of twists and turns, it's got some super uh, quirky characters that keep it interesting. There is some real edge of your seat material throughout this season. And I think, you know, season one and three are some of the, the best Ozark that there is. And there's a, another season uh, due to come out um, this year. And 
this is just this is a top tier television show and i don't know how often paul I'm, I'm telling you off now i don't know how often i can tell you to watch this show but you need to bump it up your list because again it was on my list last year it's on my list this year it's just so good and it i just think it ticks all of your boxes i don't know what's holding you back but get amongst it, it you'll enjoy it it's a money back guarantee I'm going to annoy you even more right now because I've been sitting here doing the math and panicking, thinking, because I've been trying to work out your list, right? And so I'm thinking, so this is your number three, yeah? And so, so I've been thinking, I'm pretty sure I know two shows that are going to have to be in this list, and you haven't mentioned either of them yet. And I'm thinking, but now I'm thinking there's three shows. So then I spent all that time that you were there sitting there bollocking me, <laughs> searching uh, Cobra Kai, only to realize... <laughs> Cobra Kai aired in 2019 <laughs> so that's not on the list so so that whole time was wasted uh everything you said was great Dan I will make an effort to to watch this show this is um this is something that's been recommended to me now by four people one yeah four four people in independently so that's telling me something if people were saying that this is something I would enjoy um the the ratings are good the there's a lot about this show that appeals. Um, I mean, Jason Bateman himself is is enough to get anyone, you know, interested. He's he's just fantastic. So, um, okay, I hear you loud and clear. Even if I wasn't paying that much attention, I'll make an effort. If you don't get it on the list, I'm going to contact your wife direct and make sure she gets it on the list. You know, I I, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna find a way. Yeah, a direct line. That's what you need. A direct line. Yep, that's what I need. All right, Paul, what have, what have you got at number three for me? So number three for me uh, is a show that we've already talked about, and that was my uh, Criminal UK season two. So that show, that show, that yeah, an indication of how highly I rated that show. It made it into the the top three. Uh, spoiler alert: the only show in my top three that uh, was from the UK. So. Um, so yeah, that was mine. So we've got two to go, Dan. I've I'm I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I reckon I'd be able to call them. So why don't you go ahead and put me out my misery and give me your number two? Number two for me, surprise, surprise, The Mandalorian season two. Are you in sync, Paul? We're in sync. It's my number two as well. I just think that you know, The Mandalorian season one was something a, a young Daniel Whiting could never have dreamed of. Season two took that, kicked it out of the park. Someone ran with it a million more miles, has been doing, I don't know, jump kicks and flips and Cobra Kai and the hell out of that to turn it into something even more epic. We've got so many great characters. We've got Ahsoka Tano. We've got Boba Fett. We've got... You know, and, and it's there's so much more of the the Mandalorian universe still to explore. Obviously, like we've we've only just hit the final, so we're still processing what all of that means. But there's the announcements of the new TV shows. I, I'm just so amped for this, and this is a, a Star Wars fans' biggest fantasy. I, I I just didn't ever imagine how a live action TV show would work, and They've just done epic things. And just a, a complete shout-out to Dave Favreau, um, sorry, John Favreau and 
they've flown you because I just think that they they have cherished this. They've mm. they've held it with care. They've done all the right things. They are exactly the right people you want looking after the show, and I, I just can't speak more highly about it. You've, you've said some great things there, Dan, and I was going to make a, a shout-out to Dave Filoni and John Favreau as well because those two people, for my money, should never work on anything ever again in this world other than Star Wars. They should just be now locked in into a lifetime contract for for Lucasfilm to produce The Mandalorian and, and whatever else is to come. It was really hard for me not to put this one at number one. Um, and look, we've talked about this show a lot on this on this podcast, but uh, what you've just said really sums it up really well. And what, what also I think is uh, something which always strikes me is I love the sequel movies. And I know a lot of people in real life that don't. And I see a lot of people online hating on these movies. But what's different about The Mandalorian is that everyone seems to be on board. They hit all the right notes. The world has spoken. This is the way. It's just it's just great. And it's one of those things where I remember seeing the poster for it. And I don't know. Did we? No, we wouldn't, no, we wouldn't have said this on this podcast because it would have been too late but i remember saying to someone i don't know if it was you know when that poster came out i was like oh mandalorian yeah i'll watch it but i'm not sure if i'm that big on mandalorians i don't know will i be i'll watch it but but how wrong was i and then the trailer came out and i knew from the trailer that it was just going to be awesome and sometimes trailers can be better than the show but this one's just gone from strength to strength and then we had you know a really great finale to the to the show last year you did say that to me, Paul, and it was at that moment that I really questioned both <laughs> our friendship and your your commitment to the Star Wars universe. Correct. But you know what? You've you've pushed through that. Um, <laughs> I think you know that this is the way now, and you know we we can all learn from mistakes. We've, we've all said some things that we regret in the past. So, so Dan, we're at number one. I, I have to ask you the question, but I presume we are in sync. If not, we will genuinely have problems and we may have to discuss them live on air. What's your number one? I, you know what? I, I think you can say it, Paul, because, you know, we, we're definitely going to be in sync here. And I'm, I want to give you the honor of saying the number one that we've both got. I'm so confident that it's the same thing that I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the reins. Better call Saul. You got it. You got it in one friend. You know, we this this whole podcast is, uh, you know, named after the, uh, the 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 Breaking Bad universe, and Biblical Soul has just gone from strength to strength to strength. And this latest season, season five of Biblical Soul, has truly been some of the, the most top tier tv and you know i know that you've been re-watching it it's making me want to rewatch it i didn't even feel like it was that long ago that i i watched this so i just don't know uh, rave reviews i know that uh better call soul can be a bit of a, a slow burn for people particularly after after coming from um breaking bad but i think better call soul is a is a show that rewards fans of breaking bad and it rewards you for watching each and every season. And by the time you get into season five of Better Call Soul, this this is up there. 
if not better than Breaking Bad a lot of the time. And and that's that's a big thing to say. I, I just I was just gonna touch on that myself, um, and sort of say I I actually feel like this season, the season five of Better Call Saul quite possibly surpasses any season of better uh, of Breaking Bad. And as as you know, I literally rewatched all of Breaking Bad last year. And so this is the standard by which I assess anything I watch in season five. Um, you know, I can't wait till my rewatch gets to this season. Uh, it just, it, you know, anyone who's heard us on this podcast recently over the last few weeks talk about the Mandalorian and how highly we rate that for us both to be putting that above it says something about better call Saul. And I just feel that, you know, this show broke the U S record for a TV premiere and it's just gone from strength to strength in, in the shadow of breaking bad in some respects you might've said, it. and yeah, at this point, season five surpasses it. I truly believe this could be the greatest television series of all time for me. I think, look, it's you're right. I, I, there's, there's no other way to kind of to build on that other than just brav, bravo to the show because they've done something which I didn't think was possible. They've made me care even more about the Breaking Bad universe. They've given me an insight into a, yeah, not a side character, but it's definitely a secondary character in, in Breaking Bad and made me care about them so much more than I could have ever possibly imagined. And the cast, the backstories, uh, again, they're, they're just top-tier television, and it, it's such an enjoyable watch. I think if you haven't checked it out, you do just have to get through that sort of first season because it is, you know, this is basically about the the downfall of um, Soul or, or Jimmy, and, you know, you have to kind of start with him as, as you know, a bit more of a – a regular guy, a regular lawyer, but you know, as the seasons get on, you start to get the the better call soul vibes come out even more and more. And I think we really hit that in our stride in season five. No, you're right. And look, I I finished season one last year, and you know that I know what you're saying, but I really love the rewatch and watching Slip and Jimmy come out way earlier than I thought it did, and sort of that journey into Saul Goodman started so early. To but season five is is leagues ahead. Saul Goodman, Kim Wexler. Mike Ermintrout, Nacho, Lalo, Gus Fring, Hector Salamanca, Hank Schrader. That's a lineup that, dare I say it, I just don't think any other TV show can offer me. And then when you think about some of the episodes we got this year, like I was just looking at the episode list, Bagman, the one where Saul and Mike go across the desert together, Bad Choice Road, and of course the the finale, um, which was just you know, nine point, we've got some ratings here, 9.7, 9.8, 9.4, those final three episodes, something unforgivable. What a great finish. The writing's the best, the editing, the acting, the cinematography. It's a show that I cannot cope thinking about knowing that we're going into the final season unless they announce for me that there's going to be a spin-off show about Gene or a spin-off about Mike or a spin-off about Kim or, I don't know, maybe it could be Kim. You know, we've always assumed that, you know, just because she's not in Breaking Bad, that must mean she must be dead, but maybe she goes in a different direction and we get a spin-off about her. I don't know, but this show is number one and it brings me great joy, Dan, that we have it as number one for both of us because last year we were... I think, 
Yeah, I think that the reason I say it's, it's a harder watch, it's not a harder watch for you or, you or I who are hardcore Breaking Bad fans, and, we're, and we've, we've crossed that threshold. True. I think it's it's a, it's a hard watch if you are fresh into it, coming from the, you know, particularly coming out of the end of Breaking Bad, like it's so action-packed and, and, and high-paced, and you're, you're, you kind of like take it down again, and you kind of like slow down. I think the other show that I, like, I would be really interested in, and I don't know how they would do it because they would have to have um, – Jonathan Banks, I think, um, narrate the show, um, as I would love to see a young Mike. Mm-hmm. I want to see Beat Cop Mike becoming the the even more badass. That I, I want that story, but I want Jonathan Banks to narrate it because I need I need that connection. You're absolutely right. I was going to say it has to be Jonathan Banks narrating it because I think, as well written as that character is, I think our love for that character is is like ninety percent Jonathan Banks and just the, the delivery of every line and uh, but yeah, I'll, look, I'll take a stand up, a stand up. What's the word? A spin off uh, for any 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 of these these characters at this point because uh, everything they do, these guys uh, over at the production crew at um, AMC is uh, is amazing. Dan, do you have any um, any close calls? Any shows you want to give an honourable mention that didn't make your ten? came close oh, 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 okay okay well one that i you know up until you know seconds before recording this that i did have on my list was season two of what we do in the shadows and i was just so close to like do i put it back in there do i bump out um ted lasso and i and i thought you know what i'm going to go for a new show um but you know what we do in the shadows is another top tier TV show for me. So funny, just builds on that universe even more. Um, okay, I know you've you've got the the vampire phobia, but if you're if you're into into that sort of you know that kind of like uh, uh, I almost want to say Kiwi humor, even though it's 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 you know obviously made in a in America now, but you know built on the original um, movie that. Uh, Taika made um, here in New Zealand. It, it's just so good. It's so good. If you're after something a little bit funny, a bit of a palate cleanser, then I think that's one to watch. Hmm. What about you? Yeah, so the two for me that came close was Hunters, the Amazon Prime show with Al Pacino, uh, and also Star Trek Discovery, um, which was a big call for me because it, it made my list quite easily last year. And this this season, the first three episodes were stronger than any other track I'd ever seen. And then, you know, it hasn't made my top 10, tells a story as to how that season progressed and uh, kind of lost its way a little bit in a dip in writing, a little bit too much techno babble, perhaps a little loss of direction for me, but still it was close. It was still close to the 10. Don't get me wrong. It's still good. Um, and then of course there were the shows that didn't qualify, which is why I was so confused. I thought, oh, Dan's bound to have Cobra Kai. And, and I was like, how can he have Cobra Kai, Mandalorian, and Better Call Saul. He's only got two to go. I couldn't figure it out. Um, so yeah, I had Wayne and I had Jack Ryan as shows that I thought might have made it, but of course they were 2019. And we never got a, a season of Handmaid's Tale this year either. So um, so that that obviously didn't figure because that's another top show for me. But uh, no, it was it was, uh, it was good good fun and a, a great list. Then did we get any uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine this year? Was it last year? Uh, I know I watched it this year, but I don't actually know that it came out this year. Yeah, I think it might have been the the year before. What was it season seven? And I'm just doing a quick real time look at that. Um, 
What have we got? Oh no, that was this year. So that that probably would have been a. I, I thought the season of Brooklyn Nine Nine was 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 good. Again, though, you know, to bring in your rule, um, I don't think you can have too many comedies in this list. I think it, it's okay to have one or two, but it would be quite easy to to fill the list up. For sure, for sure. Well, great way to kick off the new year and there we're back to normality back to work and all the rest of it we'll be back to watching our shows and we can resume normal service next week but i guess again anyone listening let us know if you agree with any of our choices or strongly disagree or like dan said if you if you think there's another show in there that should be in the top 10 get in touch with us on the social media or or you can even leave us a voicemail don't forget if you head over to anchor.fm forward slash half measures podcast you can hit the the voicemail button why not leave us a voicemail we haven't had one of those for a while i think the last time we had that was star screen i would love to get some voicemails and we could even we could edit them into the pod so you know what we love it when we hear from you guys so do that do share your list with us um i just want to give a, a special shout out to our patreon producers trisha brady and samara king thank you once again for your support we really appreciate it if you too would like to become a, a patron of the show, then you can do that um, at patreon.com. All of those details are in the show notes below. Uh, but that is us for first episode of 2021. Look forward to spending more time with you. Until next time, adios. <laughs>